Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 79 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. Now, if you're a returning listener, welcome back as always. Happy to have you here. But if you're not, allow me to introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials. Why not give me a follow, reach out to me over on Twitter at Sir Dr. JM. Uh, you can send me questions, comments, concerns, inquiries, whatever you've got, topics for the show, and I will happily bring those to the show. Um, anything from Overwatch to Overwatch 2 to the Overwatch 2 beta, uh, Blizzard, video games as a whole, I want to talk to you. So shoot me a DM, tweet at me, whatever you've got there. Um, also, if you you enjoy this podcast, which you can find on podcast services all around the globe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. Please give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, all that jazz. And of course, if you love the sound of my voice, then please check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, also available on podcast services everywhere. Ready, Set, Pwn is, of course, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant in the Overwatch League. And I am lucky enough to be the third chair with my hosts, Chris and Alex, uh, running the show. Now, this week, we, of course, have a few stories to talk about. Uh, we've got some movement in the Overwatch League. We've got some details about Overwatch 2 coming from the beta and some of the things the uh, developers are talking about these days. And, of course, we'll take a look at this upcoming week's games in the Overwatch League. So without further ado, let's dive on in. All right, heading on over to DottieSports.com. We have our first article here posted on June 29th, written by Ethan Garcia, which reads, Boston Uprising signs hit scan DPS player Seeker. A new face is joining the Overwatch League as the 2022 season ventures past its halfway point and into preparation for the summer showdown. The Boston Uprising has signed Seeker as its new hitscan DPS player, pending league approval, the franchise announced today. He will join Valentine and Victoria as the three DPS players rotating on the main roster following the departure of Stryker last month. They've then got the tweet embedded into the article there, which reads from the Boston Uprising account at Boston Uprising. We're very excited to welcome a young and talented player in at Seeker underscore OW to our team as we look to add depth to our DPS lineup ahead of the summer showdown pending league approval. Seeker has been a strong part of the North American contender scene for the past two years. He most recently complete, competed as part of the of Noble in the 2021 Contenders season and has been competing in various community tournaments since then. He's most recognized for his Cassidy and Widowmaker, though he's never performed on the main Owl stage. Seeker joins at a peculiar time in the Overwatch League. The Boston Uprising are sitting in the 10th place in the Western standings and hoping to find a way to beat the competition during the upcoming Summer Showdown, which is set to begin on August 11th. It's unclear how the Uprising will be rotating their DPS players with the acquisition of Seeker. So there you have it. That's the announcement for Boston. Um, as the article alludes to there, Boston Uprising have been struggling of late. Um, they may have they may have just gotten a win this past weekend, I believe. Um, I'll double check that in a sec here. But overall, Boston has not been looking superb. Um, they certainly were seeming to be making a bit of a uh, a bit of a run, you know, doing doing okay against some teams. And then I'm not sure what happened recently. But very recently, they seem to start to struggle again. Um, now, this past weekend, they did lose on Sunday, July 3rd to the Florida Mayhem 
in a two to three fashion. Um, so they did take it all the way to five. The week prior to that, however, they actually went. Pause for effect. Wait for the website to load. They won against Paris Eternal 3-0. Now, <clears throat> the Paris Eternal, a team I would have expected them to win against, especially given uh, the struggles Paris has been having lately, obviously. But if we look at the standings, of course, we will see Boston in 10th, Paris in 12th, Florida in 7th, and that's all the teams I mentioned there. So, obviously, Boston, you know, could be doing a little bit better, but at the same time, given their current roster, given the challenges they've been having, I'm not sure they're going to move too much. Now, that said, the team ahead of them, in one uh, one position ahead of them, is the Washington Justice. Two positions ahead of them is the Toronto Defiant. Do I think they could have a chance against both of those teams? Absolutely. Unfortunately for us Toronto Defiant fans, myself included, I do think that Boston, with a few slight tweaks, could stand a pretty decent chance against a team like Washington or Toronto, um, especially given how well they played against Florida. I think they are currently punching up. Uh, it's just a matter of figuring out how to really finish uh, some of these fights and take some of the wins where they really need them, where they really need to, which unfortunately for them has not been going their way thus far. Now they are three and seven on the season, with uh, the team below them in eleventh being the New York Excelsior. Every team below them has one or less wins on the season, so. I don't think they're at too much of a risk of dropping drastically from where they are at this very moment. But at the same time, uh, if they do want to take some strides, they need to start winning against uh, some of these these lower teams that might still be uh, where, where a win might still be attainable. So that's my thoughts on the Boston Uprising for now. Uh, we'll see what they're able to do in this upcoming weekend. Uh, I'm not actually too sure if they have any matches, but I'll take a quick peek here. Uh, let me just see. Well, it loads. Here we go. Looks like they are playing on Saturday, July 9th, and again on Sunday, July 10th. So we'll talk about those matches in a little bit. Now, the next story we want to talk about here, I actually couldn't find a story story about it, but I pulled up the tweet. It is from the at Paris Eternal, which is, of course, the Paris Eternal's Twitter account. And it reads, despite multiple efforts to delay his military service, unfortunately, we have to say goodbye to at Mobugi2 underscore OW. As he has been called by his country, we thank him for everything he has contributed to the team from the offseason up until now. We wish him the best for the future. So this is, of course, a farewell tweet. They've then got an image there uh, saying farewell to Mobugi. Mobugi, Mobugi sorry, was an assistant coach with the Paris Eternal. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, it, or fortunately, if you know, if that's how you see it, uh, he is currently uh, leaving the team to go perform his military service as is uh, required uh, when you are from Korea, as he is. So that's the story on Mobugi. Uh, obviously, we wish him all the best. Maybe he'll come back to the league after his military service. We'll see what happens there. Moving right along, we're sticking with Dot Esports. Actually, it's a Dot Esports heavy day today. I didn't find too much news outside of there. Um, and this time, we're going to read an article here from June 30th posted by Yash Nair, which reads, Overwatch 2 will replace the original, Blizzard confirms. Years of hard work down the drain, Blizzard reassures that this is not the case. Overwatch 2 is set to release globally on October 4th, with the original being out for nearly six and a half years since its release back in 2016. With the sequel currently in its beta testing phase, the launch of the full game is said to come as a replacement for the original, which means that Overwatch 1 will be essentially shut down after its sequel hits the shelves. 
This news was first uncovered in a Reddit AMA that the Overwatch 2 devs held last week to take on the numerous doubts and questions that fans had about the future of Blizzard's most prized first-person shooter franchise. The game's director, Aaron Keller, replied to a fan who was wondering if Overwatch 2 would, re would replace Overwatch's PvP modes. Quote, We're using the term, quote, early access to indicate that this is just the start of many new things coming to the game, Keller responded. He went on to state that, quote, when Overwatch 2 launches on October 4th, it will be a replacement for the current live service, end quote. If this confirmation wasn't straightforward enough to satisfy skeptics, Blizzard reconfirmed that the company will indeed use Overwatch 2 to, quote, replace the current Overwatch build, end quote, in a statement to Axios's Stephen Totillo. Uh, they then have the tweet embedded by uh, from Stephen Totillo where he basically uh, says, uh, I mean, he does say, this has largely made the rounds recently, but if you missed it, Blizzard confirms that Overwatch 2 will replace Overwatch 1 in October. The older game goes offline, content unlocks, transfer to 2. Their statement to me, and then he's then got a screenshot of uh, what exactly they said to confirm this to him, but it doesn't really matter. You get the point at this point. The article continues. Blizzard goes on to add that, quote, context players have unlocked in, oh, sorry, content players have unlocked in Overwatch will automatically carry over to players uh, in Overwatch 2, reassuring players. This seems to be the company's most straightforward answer to what lies ahead for Overwatch. How well players react to this news, as well as all of the abrupt changes in the sequel, is a different story, however. So there you go. Uh, official, definitely official confirmation that Overwatch 1, as we know it, will be going bye-bye on October 4th. So that, of course, means prior to then, October 3rd, October 2nd, October 1st, September 30th, and every day before that. Praise Overwatch 1. Enjoy your remaining days with it, because as it stands, the countdown is on, as they say. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, we've got July, August, September. That's three full months. I mean, we're a few days into into uh, July here. So less than three months, although uh, October 4th, so about three months. Let's just call it about three months and we'll, the dust will settle on about three months. About three months left to enjoy Overwatch 1. Of course, if you are lucky enough or if you had uh, purchased the Watchpoint pack, you have probably been playing the Overwatch 2 beta and you probably have seen the light about how much uh, more fun, in my opinion, Overwatch uh, on 5v5 is. So goodbye, Overwatch 1. Uh, it's been a it's been a great time, but we're all looking forward to some changes. I think. Uh, now that said, as well, I'm actually surprised that this is an article at all. Um, although you know, once I read it, I said, okay, yeah, I guess people were wondering that. In my mind, this had always been the plan. I I don't know if I just made that up or if I heard it somewhere or what it was. I always thought that you know, once Overwatch Two launches, we're five v five full time. You know, there's no going back to uh, you know, the character select screen and it's missing Junker Queen and Sojourn and whoever the, the rest of the new heroes are and that kind of thing. Um, the only sort of uh, question that I had around it was would they simply be sort of upgrading Overwatch 1 to Overwatch 2, which is honestly what I kind of thought they would do. Um, you know, the, the closest comparison I can think of is an expansion for World of Warcraft where, let's say, at the end of, uh, you know, vanilla World of Warcraft... Uh, Burning Crusade comes out and yes you I mean I guess this isn't the perfect comparison because you could technically still play World of Warcraft without uh, the Burning Crusade expansion pack you just couldn't go experience some of the new content um, and you'd also be like locked to level 60 and things like that I had just kind of assumed that Overwatch 1 would just kind of 
morph into Overwatch 2, which I guess now that I think about it realistically, that that doesn't make sense. You can't, you know, it, it's not like it would just change completely. I'm sure if you have a disc for Overwatch 1 or something like that, which I do, um, if you put that into your PS4 and boot it up, then I guess it will just not connect to the servers, Would I would have to assume. Um, so anyways, I had thought it was going to be more of that sort of expansion pack style, but the same time i know there's a lot of criticism for overwatch 2 because you know oh is this a new game is this just an expansion blah 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 so i guess that wouldn't be the best idea for them um <clears throat> all of that said i also have to assume that uh that they just want as much attention on overwatch 2 as possible which is why they're getting ahead of a lot of these things a lot of these sort of minor announcements that yeah are gonna upset some people um but I have to assume they're trying to get ahead of these. They're trying to get these answers out there so that when October 4th rolls around, we can just praise Overwatch 2, be excited to jump into Overwatch 2, and move on with our lives kind of thing. Say goodbye to Overwatch 1. Um, so there you have it. Anyways, uh, you know, official, official word from Aaron Keller himself that uh, Overwatch 1 will be no more. Moving on from there, another article from DottieSports.com, this time by Alex Syasusidis. I hope I said that right, Alex. If I didn't, tweet at me. Let me know. This article is from July 1st and reads, Failure to launch Overwatch 2 flops on Twitch after beta returns without loot drops. The first Overwatch 2 beta went live on April 26th and smashed the game's existing viewership records on Twitch, peaking at 1,459,208 concurrent viewers, the highest it had ever been, leading many to believe the hype for the long-awaited Blizzard sequel could carry it the distance. However, the second one, which kicked off on June 28th, failed to reach those same numbers. According to Sully Gnome, it peaked much lower at 98,128 concurrent viewers. A big reason for this likely is likely because it didn't have any loot drops. The first beta offered viewers a chance to receive a beta invite by watching their favorite streamers on Twitch, including XQC, who broke a record of his own. The second beta had none. Instead, players could access it by purchasing the Overwatch 2 Watchpoint pack for $40, US dollars. Those who did struggled to get it working properly. That's a little bit of an assumption. I definitely did not have a problem uh, getting mine to work. It worked just fine uh, once I figured out how to download it. Blizzard took a gamble on their strategy the second time around with their Overwatch 2 beta, and it didn't pay off. Falling short of the mark is one thing. However, the viewership numbers have been crashing down ever since. Average viewership is a little higher than it had been throughout, sorry, throughout 2022. It's currently sitting at 20,000, almost double the 13,869 it has averaged in the past 365 days. Still, it's not the boost they would have liked. They'll have another chance to roll the dice again during the third and final beta period, which is expected to happen before early access begins on October 4th. There's every chance that attempt could determine the fate of the game. It's important to note Twitch stats aren't the be-all, end-all when it comes to measuring interest. However, they're a single useful, sorry, they're a useful guide and something the devs would watch. Now, this article, um, I, I considered not even including it. It's kind of an article for article's sake. Um, I understand it is it is highlighting facts for the most part, yes. But I also have to assume that Blizzard l knew this kind of stuff was coming ahead of time. I, I'm almost positive they would have... Uh, they would have internal uh, markers that they're hoping to reach, internal targets that they were hoping to reach for things like viewership numbers. Um, I also have to assume that the medic skin did boost those numbers, although not super significantly. Um, whereas beta drops and, you know, the first look at this new game or the first time, uh, quote unquote, regular people, uh, us plebs, 
had a chance at getting into the game, things like that, um, as well as partnering with the number and the level of streamers that they did with people like XQC, I believe with people like uh, Tim the Tatman. Um, I could be wrong. I'm, I don't remember if Tim was in there. Um, Pokimane, I'm not sure if Pokimane was in there either, but I feel like she was. Anyways, I digress. Um, this one definitely seemed like it was going to have less and less of an impact, and I think that is clear that it it obviously did. Now, obviously, scaling those numbers up to almost hundred thousand is great, um, especially for the sort of level that you have to assume this beta was on. Now, another side of that is that this was the first uh, console beta, the first time uh, console players had a chance to partake. Now. I do wonder how well publicized that was on the console side of things, just because, you know, PC gamers are usually a little more plugged into things like betas and that kind of stuff because you don't always see them on console. Um, so I do wonder how that affected things. At the same time, you would think this is the first time console players have been in. The console player base is large. That should give it a pretty significant boost. And obviously, I mean, player base-wise it may have, but again, it's that streaming element that they're looking for, which realistically is free marketing for them so i digress um a lot of like i say there there's facts in there about the actual numbers but i think it kind of insinuates that blizzard was was expecting they would have you know a million concurrent viewers again or something like that and i would have to think that blizzard would would be insane to think that their second beta uh without offering drops for access and uh without partnering with the same number uh, not even the same number, but the exact same streamers, some of the bigger names uh, that they did the first time around, you have to assume that their internal targets were were far less than the, the uh, first beta had. Um, it will be curious to see what the third beta is like. I personally think that when they get to a third beta, although it will drum up some hype, although it will certainly be for bug fixing and testing and things like that, um, and although we will probably have a new support hero uh, at that beta, I have to assume that that beta is meant to mostly uh, be stress testing their servers, right? That's when they want to let sort of as many people as possible in. Um, it could very well even be an open beta. It wouldn't necessarily surprise me if it was an open beta. At the same time, it would not surprise me if they did sort of a, a rolling access open beta where they say, okay, we're inviting a, you know, a pretty specific group in at this time for the first week. Uh, we're going to expand that out for the next week. And then maybe on that final week, they say, okay, now everyone can download it for free on, on all storefronts and that kind of thing. And that's when really the floodgates open and that's when they really see what the servers can take. Um, obviously, day one, online games like this always struggle. Online live service games like this always struggle. So... It wouldn't surprise me at all if the third beta is mostly meant for stress testing, but I digress. Um, they may do some perks in there. They may wouldn't surprise me at all either if they partner with some streamers and do some some sort of drop system where um, you can earn a battle pass or something like that, uh, earn a code for a battle pass or earn a code for well, however many a uh, thousand credits or three thousand credits, so you can buy a battle pass or two or three or something like that or some cosmetics or whatever. So. I digress. That's my thoughts on uh, on that. I'm not too shocked to see these numbers are significantly less, and I think this one would probably be the lowest of the three betas, right? Because it's not the first where they have the huge pop, and it's not the last where they are really ramping up marketing. Um, it's just kind of the one in between. So moving on from there, 
We're going to head over... Nope, we're going to stick with .esports.com. Another article by Ethan Garcia. It's an Ethan Garcia week, isn't it? Um, where we will, of course, read this article. Sorry, I was checking something there. Posted on July 1st, reads, Blizzard looking at possible updates for Mercy Moira in Overwatch 2 beta. And the article reads, Gameplay adjustments are on the way for the second Overwatch 2 beta. Jody, a community manager on the Overwatch team, provided players with a few quick notes on Friday regarding the team, uh, what the team has seen internally in the first week of the second Overwatch 2 beta. The comments told fans that they should expect a more in-depth analysis of the first week from the team at some point next week, likely in a traditional blog post. Now, I would like to comment, we have yet to see that, and it is the end of the day on Tuesday, the 5th. Back to the article. Unlike what was stated in the patch notes, Jody ensured players that the range of Symmetra's teleporter has not been changed. The team is also fully aware of the controversial changes to Mercy's Guardian Angel ability, which now automatically launches her into the air after reaching her target, and they will be addressed next week. The Overwatch team also wanted to inform fans that due to this multi-platform, the multi-platform nature of this beta, the beta will not be patched as quickly as it was in the first run. This is because developers must get patches approved by Microsoft and Sony, should they wish to release changes to the games on their console. Moira and Mercy were specified as heroes that are being looked at for immediate changes in a quote, mid-cycle patch. Many players are still unable to access the beta on their platform of choice, awaiting a confirmation email that will be sent to players that registered for the beta by July 15th. This is accompanied by a massive decrease in viewership of Overwatch 2 on Twitch due to a beta due to beta drops not being uh, not returning this time around. Sorry, that's of course the article we just read. However, Blizzard is encouraging players to watch specific streamers and donate three subscriptions to earn an exclusive Medic Brigitte skin. I of course talked about the Medic Brigitte skin and the uh, support a streamer event last week in episode 78 of One Man Watchpoint. The article continues, players that previously registered for the Overwatch 2 beta should continue to check their emails to see if they've been given access. Alternatively, there's a 40 US dollar Watchpoint pack that gives those that purchased it instant access to the beta, as well as some pack-exclusive cosmetics. So, there you have it. Uh, some hints at what's to come for Mercy and Moira. Uh, certainly not uh, not upset to see changes coming to Moira, um, and not even for the reasons that I think a lot of people dislike her. I mean, a lot of people think she is uh, sort of too too easy to play. You know, she's very point and click when it comes to healing, and then it's point and damage when it comes to dishing out damage. Um, I know in Overwatch 1, she frequently would be up there on the damage charts. Um, simply because she could dish out that damage quite easily. Um, so I'm not upset to see changes coming to her, and, and, and not because she is simple, um, or, or a little bit more simple, but mostly just uh, because I think she could be given more utility, right? It would be nice to see characters given sort of kind of more specific roles. So obviously she is a healer, but maybe give her, I know we've talked before about giving her a cleanse or something like that, where her fade has a bit of an area of effect, and if she passes through you, it could remove a status effect. So maybe, um, you know, if you are in uh, in Maze Blizzard and she uses fade and you are close enough to her, it actually removes the Blizzard effects from you, and I mean, as long as you move quickly and stay with Moira, you can actually get out of that or something to that extent. Maybe it gives you invincibility uh, if you are again close enough to moira so if a tracer plants a bomb on you um just like how uh moira can uh, uh what the heck is it called fade out of it um if you are close enough to her and she uses that perhaps it basically makes you fade as well and suddenly 
the pulse bomb goes off and you don't get hit by it. Something like that. I just th- think they could give her some some different utility, give her some more of sort of more specific use cases to play Moira. Now the other side of it is actually that I did also um, play a little bit of Mercy in the Overwatch 2 beta. And I actually really liked the uh, changes with the super jump. Um, not The Guardian Angel changes are, are kind of whatever to me. Um, you know, they are what they are. Um, but the super jump has been changed from sort of a, uh, a, a tech skill that you could previously do in Overwatch 1 to quite literally the default. So now um, when you are, are flying to a teammate, um, you fly to them. And if you hold, sort of hold the fly, I think it's if you hold the fly for the duration... Uh, once you get to your target, you will hit the ground and you will just shoot upwards a good, I don't know, 10 feet, however tall it is. Um, as well, I think if you just push the button to fly at them, you will fly at them. And if you don't push it a second time to actually cancel it, when you reach your target, you will do that launch into the air as well. So I actually had a lot of fun with this. I did find it gave Moira sort of a lot more mobility um, and people didn't seem too used to it. Like I kind of thought it would be useless because if you just zap over to someone and then shoot straight up in the air there was always going to be a Widowmaker or um, a soldier or a sojourn just ready to pop off and get you as you shoot into the air as a massive target um, I didn't really find that was the case though I actually found her to be very utilitous and of course that is probably because I'm playing in literal wood tier I'm definitely not up there with the pros so I digress um, I like having something new with these characters and and being able to sort of learn uh, even if it's just a tweak a sort of slightly different way to play them uh, which is the case with with mercy so that's been fun um, so I could definitely uh, enjoy them making some more significant changes to Moira just so that it could be a little more uh, more of a utility and less of just the same now here we are 25 26 minutes into the show and that's actually all the news that I've got for this week. It's probably going to be a bit of a short show just because we don't have too much news to talk about right now. I think we're in not necessarily a lull, but we haven't seen too many changes to the beta just yet. Um, as I mentioned before, we haven't got that blog post or or whatever it is. Um, and other than that, I mean, not a lot of moves in the league going on, um, things like that. Uh, overall, we are about to enter the final weekend of the is it the what midseason madness qualifiers? Um, I believe in the West, the teams are set. The qualifying teams that will be going to Hawaii for the midseason madness tournament. Um, I believe in the East, there is still the third and fourth positions are still yet to be determined, um, simply because of the games that will be happening this upcoming weekend. Uh, it might even just be fourth and fifth that are yet to be determined. I could be wrong, but I digress. Uh, let's get in there and let's talk about this past weekend's games in the Overwatch League. All right. So as I mentioned there, uh, we're going to talk about this past weekend's games in the Overwatch League and we'll see who did what and how they did right away here. So let me expand this out. And of course, I've got the standings up here as well. So we can talk a little bit about that as it comes up. So, of course, on Friday, July 1st, we saw the Philadelphia Fusion beat the Hangzhou Spark 3-2. We then saw the Chengdu Hunters beat the Guangzhou Charge 3-1. to 
Then, moving on over to the Western region on Friday, July 1st, we first saw the London Spitfire 3-0, the Paris Eternal, good for London. Then at 2.30pm, we saw the Houston Outlaws best the Atlanta Reign in a 3-2 fashion. And of course, at 4pm on Friday, we saw the Gladiators take on the Defiant and win that one in a 3-1 fashion for the Los Angeles Gladiators. Moving on to Saturday, July 2nd, we saw at 4 a.m. Mountain Time, the Seoul Dynasty 3-0, the Guangzhou Charge. Then at 5.30 a.m., we saw the Chengdu Hunters 3-0, the Los Angeles Valiant. I made the terrible decision to pred the opposite direction because the Valiant had gotten their first win. Uh, First win, first couple of wins, I think, this past weekend. Uh, okay, it wasn't even their first win, but they got a they got a couple wins against a couple good teams. If I'm not mistaken, they beat Shanghai, um, and so I had some faith in them, and so I predicted them to win that in a three-two, and it was very much one-sided, and the Chengdu Hunters came out on top three-zero. After that, at 7 a.m. on July 2nd, that is Mountain Time, the Shanghai Dragons 3-0'd the Philadelphia Fusion. So Shanghai looking like they might just be back on top. Moving on to the West, on Saturday, July 2nd, the San Francisco Shock 3-0'd the Vancouver Titans. At 2.30pm, the Los Angeles Gladiators 3-1'd the Washington Justice. Then at 4pm, the Toronto Defiant, in a hard-fought battle, got the win 3-2 over the Paris Eternal. Paris getting pretty close here, um, really looking like they were putting up a decent fight, and Toronto just ultimately coming out on top, but it came down to the wire. Finally, on our final day of the weekend, Sunday, July 3rd at 4 a.m., we saw the Seoul Dynasty, 3-0, the Hangzhou Spark. We then saw the Shanghai Dragons, 3-0, the Los Angeles Valiant. Uh, I had, in fact, stuck to my guns in saying I was not going to predict Shanghai anymore. Um, I Obviously, I know I predicted them the, literally the day before, but I stuck to my guns. I predicted the Valiant would take it 3-2, and Shanghai took it 3-0. So I'm back on the Shanghai train. I'm back predicting them again. They're back in shape, I think. Moving on from there, Sunday, July 3rd, 1 p.m. in the West, we saw the London Spitfire get a 3-2 win over the Washington Justice. So yay, London. London looking mighty crispy right now. Moving on from there, the Dallas Fuel beat the New York Excelsior in a 3-2 fashion in what was a hard-fought battle. Um, it definitely did look like New York is uh, was performing well um, and could hold their own against Dallas. Uh, it seemed like they were getting pretty close, but I think ultimately their, um, their slip-ups were just a little too slippery. Moving on from there, final match of the weekend on Sunday, July 3rd, saw the Florida Mayhem get the win over the Boston Uprising in a 3-2 fashion. Uh, and that's another match that could have pretty easily gone either way. Boston did look like they were doing well against Florida, um, just like the Paris against Toronto match, and just like the Dallas against New York match. Uh, not surprising who the winner turned out to be. Very surprising that the other team took them to five, and it could have easily gone the other direction for any of those matches. So there you have it. That was this past weekend's games in the Overwatch League. Now, let's move on. And you know what we're going to do next? I'm just going to double check my schedule here. Next up, we are actually going to do our pickums for the upcoming week in games. So of course, this week's games kick off on the 
uh, Friday, July 8th at 4 a.m. Mountain Time, we see the Philadelphia Fusion taking on the Guangzhou Charge. Now, as I mentioned there, the past weekend, Guangzhou only played... Oh, no, they did play the two games. They lost against Chengdu 3-1. They lost against the Seoul Dynasty 3-0. Philadelphia, of course, is one of those teams that is very much on the edge. They're currently sitting in fourth position in the east. Guangzhou is in the seventh position with one win and nine losses. Do I think they're going to get their second win on the season here? I do not. I'm giving this to Philly 3-0. After that, we see the Shanghai Dragons taking on the Chengdu Hunters. I do think Shanghai is going to win this one. Uh, how much? Chengdu sitting at almost a perfect 500 with a 5-5 five and five record and a two map plus 2 map differential. Um, but overall, I think, I think, I think... I have got to give this one to the Chengdu Hunters. Uh, Sorry, to the Shanghai Dragons. Gosh, I've already got it plugged in there. I was looking at Chengdu's logo. Um, In what fashion do I think they'll take it a 3-0? Well, let's take a look at this past weekend's games. Uh, Chengdu, Chengdu, Chengdu. So Chengdu, nope, won against the Valiant, 3-0. That was the only game they played this past weekend. I'm locking it in 3-0 for the Shanghai Dragons against the Chengdu Hunters. Next up... We start July, uh, sorry, Saturday, July 9th with the Los Angeles Valiant taking on the Seoul Dynasty. I think Seoul is going to get this one in a 3-0 fashion. Then the Hangzhou Spark taking on the Chengdu Hunters. And let's take a look here. The Hangzhou Spark lost to the Seoul Dynasty uh, 3-0. And they lost to the Philadelphia Fusion 2-3. So what can they do against... The, oh, sorry, not the Atlanta Rain. That's funny. What can they do against the Chengdu Hunters? I think they can take them 3-0. After that, Shanghai Dragons take on the Guangzhou Charge. I think there's no doubt in my mind Shanghai gets that as a 3-0. That would, of course, put Shanghai up two more wins, giving them nine wins and three losses, uh, which I believe would move them into the second position in the East. Now, that does depend on what happens with uh, with uh, the games on Sunday, but I digress. I think uh, I think Shanghai is going to take that 3-0. Moving on from there, week four in the Western region, Saturday, July 9th, we will then see the Vancouver Titans take on the Washington Justice. And I'm going to go out on a limb here, <coughs> clearing my throat for this grand announcement, and I'm going to pick the Vancouver Titans. For the first time this season since opening weekend, I'm giving this one to the Vancouver Titans. And I'm giving it to them in a 3-2 fashion. I think Washington can take them all the way. I think Washington could take this win. But I'm thinking that if Vancouver really wants to impress, if their new coach, Depay, really wants to make waves, I think this is a must-win match for the Vancouver Titans. Now this team, Vancouver sitting in 13th with 0 wins and 11 losses on the season. Washington is in 9th with 4 wins and 7 losses. So Washington, not super out of reach for Vancouver to beat, but they do have some wins, and it's not like they're in 12th position. They are in 9th, so they are a little ways up from Vancouver. It'll be really interesting to see how Vancouver can hold themselves or not against the Washington Justice. Moving on from there at 2.30 p.m. in the afternoon on Saturday, July 9th, the Houston Outlaws take on the Boston Uprising, which I think that'll be a 3-2 to two match for the Houston Outlaws. Then at 4 p.m., the Florida Mayhem take on the Los Angeles Gladiators. Now, it's going to be no surprise the Glads are going to take this 
with a 3-1 win, well, the Florida Mayhem uh, will lose, only obtaining one map. Moving on from there, Sunday, July 10th, starting at 4 a.m., we see the Seoul Dynasty taking on the Philly Fusion. And this match, I think it's going to go to Seoul. So it's going to be three there. What did Philly end up doing last last week? Uh, let's take a look. Uh, <laughs> I do think that... Oh, I lost my spot here. I lost it. There we go. Do I think Philly can get a map or two off the Seoul Dynasty? Hmm. That's a tough one. Philly did win against Hangzhou, 3-2. And Hangzhou, of course, being in the second position. Uh, I don't think Philly... You know what? I'll give them one. I don't think Philly's a one kind of team. I think they're either a, a two or nothing kind of thing, or, you know, a win. But I'm going give to give it to them three to one for the Seoul Dynasty. <clears throat> Moving on to 5.30 a.m. on Sunday, July 10th. The Hangzhou Spark are taking on the Los Angeles Valiant. I think Hangzhou is going to win that one. I'll give the Valiant a map and call it a 3-1 as well. And I'm going to lock those predictions in there right now so that they are saved. Then, finally, on Sunday, July 10th, in the Western region, we see the London Spitfire take on the Dallas Fuel. Um, this is a really interesting one because London has been on a tear lately. Both of these teams are actually sitting at eight wins, three losses. Now, the only reason Dallas is ahead of London is because they have a plus 11, whereas London only has a plus eight. I think London stands a chance in this. I'm giving it to them 3-1. From there, the Boston Uprising will take on the New York Excelsior, which is, of course, a bit of a rivalry. We've got Boston in 10th. We've got New York in 11th. We've got Boston with 3 and 7, and we've got New York with 1 and 9. So New York uh, definitely struggling quite a bit more than Boston. Um, but like I said, there's still two, two wins separating that 10th from 11th position. I don't have much faith in New York this season. Um, other, They do have a few individually talented pieces, especially, I mean, everyone knows I was a champion to get Yaki to Toronto. I think he could have been a, had a good impact on that team. But I digress. Um, other than that, and, you know, outside of a few good plays, I just don't think New York is able to close the deal in any sense of the word. So there you go. That is, of course, your Western Region Week 4 Overwatch League pickums. So, let's take a look here. And what I actually want to do now, before we call the show to an end, is I've pulled up the schedule for a couple of teams that, uh, as you know, if you're fans of the show, I follow and I uh, support these teams. But what I want to do is take a look at their schedules uh, after the midseason madness ends and just see how they might be looking in the summer showdown. So the first team I want to review is the Toronto Defiant. Now, Toronto, if you weren't following, currently sitting at seven points on the season, uh, same number of points as the seventh place Florida Mayhem, the sixth place Atlanta Reign. All three of these teams sit with a six win, five loss record. Uh, Atlanta and Florida actually have a map differential of plus four, both of them. And the Toronto Defiant have an exactly even differential with a zero. So technically, uh, Toronto's in eighth, Florida and Atlanta are in sixth and seventh. Uh, that was backwards, but I digress. Um, and I want to see 
the Toronto Defiant schedule here. And let's just take a look and see how they might do in the Summer Showdown uh, tournament here. Because, of course, oh, no, not the Summer Showdown, sorry. The Countdown Cup, is that what I'm looking at? Let me take a quick peek here. Yes, the Countdown Cup. Uh, we're currently in the Summer Showdown, of course. So let's just see. If I've got the Toronto Defiant schedule up here and we scroll on down. Uh, so this upcoming weekend is July 8th. And of course, this is uh, Toronto's final match of the Midseason Madness qualifiers. Um, is going to be against the San Francisco Shock. So as we talked about, uh, I obviously, I, I do think the San Francisco Shock are going to win that match. Um, no, no real surprise there. Um at least in my opinion, I think uh, I think the San Francisco Shock have been on a roll as of late, of course, and are currently the top standing team with 12 points overall, 11 wins and zero losses on the regular season. Their only losses have come in the actual tournament cycle, which obviously tournaments are important. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like it is what it is. Um, if you're not winning in the tournaments, you're not actually getting any results. Uh, so, you know, there you have it. Now, let me just take a quick peek here. Oh, you know what I think I just realized? Did I skip an entire day in my pickums? I just took a look at my pickums and I don't have any answers filled in there. So I might have just gone from Friday straight to Saturday. Let me jump back here. Uh, yeah, I don't think I covered these games. All right, this show's a little crazy. We're going to go back to Friday, July 8th here in the Western region. And there's three games that I should do some pickums for and then actually save my preds. So the Houston Outlaws against the New York Excelsior. Houston's going to take that in a 3-0 fashion. Then at 2.30 p.m., the Toronto Defiant take on the San Francisco Shock. This is the match that I was like, I don't remember predicting this match. Why don't I remember this? Well, that's because I hadn't done it yet. So, <clears throat> pardon me. So the San Francisco Shock are going to take that 3-0. I don't think they give Toronto a map. I think San Francisco has looked more and more dominant as the season has gone on. Um, I do think they survive in large part off of uh, pop-off uh, pop performances by a few of their key dps players in particular um which can only take you so far but hey it can take you pretty far that's for sure so uh i think san francisco is going to take that match 3-0 then of course at 4 p.m on friday july 8th we see the atlanta rain taking on the paris eternal and i do think that the atlanta rain are going to 3-0 the paris eternal there so let me save those predictions in so i actually get all these predictions in now that's going to be the final week in the whatever this tournament is mid-season madness tournament um so let me go back to toronto as i was saying here so looking back at week 10 friday july 8th the san francisco versus toronto match i think toronto's going to lose that match now they will still get into the tournament uh we we actually know that to be true um simply based on the fact that uh, this upcoming week, of course, the team that is behind them, the Washington Justice, only has one match, which even if they win, that puts them at a 5-7 and seven record, which is not enough to pass the 6-5 and five that both, uh, or all three, the Atlanta Reign, the Florida Mayhem, and the Toronto Defiant, of course, are sitting at 6-5, and five, as I discussed. So Washington can no longer pass uh, Toronto Defiant in the standings, meaning every team below them also cannot. So these teams are locked in for the tournament. So it doesn't really matter if Toronto wins or loses this match, uh, other than morale, because I think Toronto could use a big win. And certainly this would be a huge win against the San Francisco Shock. If any team can beat San Francisco this season in the regular season, 
uh, that will be a big deal because San Francisco thus far has now, with the exception of uh, this upcoming weekend, gone the entire regular season with no losses. And this is their only match this weekend. So that'd be huge if Toronto could win, but I don't think they're going to ultimately. Continuing on from there, let's look ahead. So after the midseason madness, we go into the summer showdown qualifiers. Now, if I look at the summer showdown, that would be week 15 is when we see the Toronto Defiant next. So of course, there's a break between seasons. And then not every team will play the first uh, first week or anything like that. So Toronto returns on August 12th to play, you guessed it, the Vancouver Titans. Now, Vancouver, do I think they stand a chance of beating the Toronto Defiant? Yes, I definitely do. Under their new uh, coaching staff, led by, uh, of course, Deepay, formerly of the Los Angeles Gladiators, a storied coach in the organization in uh, the Overwatch League. I do think Vancouver stands a chance of beating this team. Now, earlier in the season, I had spoke that I think a good stretch goal for Vancouver to beat was the Houston Outlaws. I think that is no longer attainable. I think Houston has proven that they are um, better than I had given them credit for. That said, I think Vancouver, if they really want to push, could stand a chance against the Toronto Defiant, maybe the Florida Mayhem. I think Florida is a step above the Toronto Defiant and the Washington Justice. Obviously, this upcoming weekend, I predicted Vancouver to win over the Washington Justice. If they can do that, they could stand a pretty good chance of beating the Toronto Defiant as well. I do think the Florida Mayhem are another step above that, uh, which which will be more of a challenge. Uh, not saying they play them anytime soon. But overall, I think that Vancouver could win that match. Now, I'd give the edge to Toronto, maybe a 65-35, maybe a 60-40 uh, edge to Toronto. But I think that's that's probably what we're looking at there. Sunday, August 14th, the Toronto Defiant will take on the Atlanta Reign. Now, again, this is not taking into account any meta stuff because obviously the meta is going to shift. Um, we may even see a new character being playable in Junker Queen, um, things like that. But current state, this is how I'm approaching it. After that, Sunday, August 14th, so two days after they play Vancouver, they play the Atlanta Reign. This is Toronto again. Now, against the Atlanta Reign, I do think Toronto stands a chance. Both teams are 6-5. and five. Um, I think Atlanta is probably the better team. Like I said, I think there is a bit of a tier jump between the 8th and 7th position, which is currently Toronto Defiant and the Florida Mayhem. And then above the Florida Mayhem are, of course, the Atlanta Reign. As I've mentioned a couple times, all three of these teams have the same record, but I still think that Atlanta and Florida are a bit more of a jump for Toronto to win. So I think it's a good goal for Toronto to beat Atlanta. I think it's an even it's it's a bit of a stretch goal for them to beat anyone in that sort of four, five, six range, which would be the London Spitfire, the Houston Outlaws, the Atlanta Reign right now. I do think London is a little inflated right now. I think London will slowly start dropping down the standings as uh, as metas shift and and things like that. Um, but even still, I think Atlanta would be a good team, honestly, a great team for Toronto to get a win over, um, and attainable for sure. Definitely moving on from there week 16. So that's the following week after these games I just talked about August 19th, we see the Toronto defiant taking on the Dallas fuel and Dallas has not been looking hot lately. Um, although they got a win recently, they, they even got two wins recently, I believe, um, Oh, this past weekend, they only played the New York Excelsior. New York took them to five. 
um, which was impressive for New York, and I think highlights more of the poor play that we've been seeing from Dallas, or or poor or poorer play. They obviously three owed the Vancouver Titans, and they three owed the Florida Mayhem. However, I do think the Florida Mayhem were on the decline there, and the Vancouver Titans were no surprise. Um, prior to that, the Dallas Fuel were three owed by the Atlanta Rain, and three owed in the same weekend by the San Francisco Shock. So those two teams are definitely good teams, especially San Francisco, obviously. Um, But, you know, kind of a toss-up. It's really hard to judge how Dallas is doing right now and how a meta shift might affect them because it could affect them pretty drastically. Um, So there you go. After that, on August 21st, that same weekend, we see the Toronto Defiant take on the LA Gladiators. I don't think there's any chance they beat the Gladiators. Moving on from there, in our following week after that, Toronto takes on Boston on August 27th. And I do think that they stand a good chance of beating them, barring any drastic changes. Then week 18, the Toronto Defiant take on the London Spitfire. So this actually takes us into September. Uh, so actually, you know what? I think I'll I'll end it there because uh, we'll do this again towards the end of uh, the summer showdown qualifiers. And we'll kind of take a look at the, the tournament cycle to come. And we'll see how I think the Toronto Defiant are going to do there. So overall, looking at that would be weeks 15 through six, uh, 15 through 17 even. Nope. Is that right? Yeah, 15 through 17. I think Toronto's looking at a possible... They've got some tough matches. There's probably two wins they could get, for sure. Uh, Vancouver Titans, Boston Uprising. The other three... So the uh, there's five games that they'll play. The other three are all a bit of a toss-up. Um, sorry, not quite all a bit of a toss-up. I would say two of them are a bit of a toss-up. One of them is not. The Gladiators, they'll probably lose to. And Atlanta and Dallas, if they can clean some things up, if they can kind of make that next step, they could stand a chance against either of these teams. Dallas has been on the decline recently, um, kind of surviving on strength of schedule in a a lot of ways, whereas Atlanta is a little bit more of a toss-up, kind of who shows up in that match, so... That's kind of what things look like in the upcoming tournament cycle for the Toronto Defiant. Now, I was actually going to do this for the Vancouver Titans and the uh, Florida Mayhem. I think I'm only going to do it for the one right now. And I'll do the Vancouver Titans just because I'm sure everyone is eagerly anticipating Vancouver getting their first win. So let's take a look here. We're going to jump down to week... Week 10, of course, this upcoming weekend, they played the Washington Justice, and I think they stand a chance of beating them. I won't necessarily say it's a good chance. I won't necessarily say it's a bad chance, but I think there's a chance. So we'll see how that goes. After that, in the summer showdown, Vancouver will take on, in the first weekend, August 12th, the Toronto Defiant, as we discussed already. Again, bit of a toss-up. Vancouver could stand a chance on that one. Then on Sunday, August 14th, they play the Paris Eternal. They could beat that. They could win that game as well. That one uh, could be could be an interesting one for sure. Then week sixteen on August nineteenth, they play the New York Excelsior, another team they could certainly beat. There's a good chance. Then we come to the final week of the summer showdown qualifiers, uh, week seventeen, August twenty sixth. The Vancouver Titans play the Washington Justice again. As we know, this past week or this upcoming weekend, I've predicted Vancouver to beat Washington. This one, there's a chance they could beat them again. Um, really, depending on how they play against them this upcoming weekend. However, uh, lots of lots can change, and they definitely stand a chance against the Washington Justice. 
That's four of their five matches. The fifth match on Saturday, August 27th, right after uh, that Washington game, is against the Houston Outlaws. I think Houston stands a good chance of winning that match. Um, but again, I had said earlier in the season that I thought Houston was a good stretch goal for Vancouver. Um, I think Houston is a little meta-dependent, in which case, uh, depending on what happens, Vancouver could stand a better or worse chance against the Houston Outlaws in this match. But looking at this schedule, I honestly think Vancouver stands a chance of going 4-1. and one. Um, And if they do, they qualify for the summer showdown. And, and hey, that's quite the turnaround for the Vancouver Titans. So that's where I'll leave it because after that we go into the countdown cup qualifiers which of course means uh the final tournament cycle of the season and then we go into grand finals um so I'll leave it there for now that takes us right through till September um so if you're a Toronto Defiant fan if you're a Vancouver Titans fan seemingly lots to look forward to on the horizon (laughs) all right fellow human beings that brings us to the end of episode 79 of one man watch point this is of course an overwatch podcast where you can learn everything you want about the wonderful world of overwatch we of course cover overwatch overwatch 2 uh the overwatch 2 beta and all things overwatch uh and of course thank you very much for listening now i'm your host sir dr jam that's at sir drjm if you'd like to and if you'd be so kind please follow me on socials uh, especially twitter and please reach out to me over there shoot me a dm tweet at me whatever you've got give me questions comments concerns inquiries topics whatever you've got that you'd like to hear me talk about on the show and i will happily bring it to the show and discuss it i'd love to interact with you of course and as well um it doesn't have to just strictly be overwatch or overwatch 2 or overwatch league or overwatch beta it can be pardon me video games in general or anything related i'm happy to talk you can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And, of course, have yourselves a good weekend. One thing I forgot to mention, actually, and if you've made it this far in the show, uh, I applaud you. I probably should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show. Um, there's actually not going to be any episodes in the coming two weeks. Um, so that will be the 12th or the 19th. Um, I will be away on vacation. I will not be bringing a laptop. I will not have anything to record with. So unfortunately, there will be no episodes on Tuesday the 12th. I mean, uh, sorry, Wednesday the 13th or Wednesday the 20th. I will be returning on Wednesday the 27th of July with episode 80 of One Man Watchpoint. (laughs) 